From Accord, this is From Vendorship to Partnership, a show where we dive into the realities of scaling startups. This season, Accord CEO Ross Rich chats with the next generation of startup founders about the ups and downs of signing their first customers while building a repeatable, collaborative sales process. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of Founders Journey. I'm Ross, CEO and co-founder of Accord. And today we're joined by Lauren Dye of Cocoon. Excited to dig in and uh, chat with a, a former colleague. Lauren and I worked at, at Stripe for a number of years together, and she's now working on an amazing new startup. So I'll let you introduce yourself real quick, Lauren. Hi, everyone. Uh, Ross, thanks so much for hosting me. Super pumped to be on this podcast and I'm Lauren, and I'm one of our co-founders and also our chief operating officer at Cocoon. And super lightning on Cocoon. We make it simple and supportive for folks who need time off to take leave, whether it's for having a baby or caring for a family member or taking care of your health and making it really easy for you to get paid during that time. And we support HR teams and their efforts to help their employees there. So That's a little bit about us in a nutshell. And my focus is on all things go to market and revenue. So super excited to be on this podcast with Ross. Awesome. Well, thanks for the the quick intro. And and as usual, we're going to jump right into the questions and really interested to hear this. I know a little bit, but excited to kind of dig in here is your founding story, the decision to leave, you know, Stripe, we were working together, everyone knows rocket ship company. Before that, I believe you were in investment banking to jump into non-fintech company, but a company that's focused on this amazing mission and curious to hear just like how that came about and how you decided to, you know, take the plunge into your own, your own startup. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can take us back to when I was at Stripe and we were there together, Ross. And actually, even before that, the reason that I joined Stripe was definitely mission oriented and also to learn from some of the most amazing people in the world in terms of how to build a company that has kind of impact that that mm. you know Stripe has. Yeah. And the reason I was super excited to jump into this whole space of startups was actually largely inspired by one of my current co-founders, Mahima, who we met in college. And how we met actually was through interning together. And that summer as sophomores, we won our first ever business plan pitch competition. And that was actually my first ever exposure to this whole world of startups at all, having grown up on on the East Coast in New Jersey and going to school on the East Coast, where this whole concept of startups and venture and, you know, creating something from scratch isn't quite the way it is here in the Valley. Totally. And so long story short, after that experience at Mahima, I think we both kind of got the bug and both ended up out here in the Bay Area and... I was at Stripe, met our co-founder Amber along the way there, which is really amazing. So Mahima and Amber and I, you know, all coming from this world of fintech where Amber and I were at Stripe and Mahima was at Square. I think something that we were both, you know, all three of us were very focused on was this idea of how do we take a lot of the learnings that we have from our experience at Stripe and helping businesses with their with their finances, with, you know, creating revenue and bring that to another community that we care about. Mm -hmm. And so for the three of us, at the stage of life that we're at, thinking about starting families and so on, families was actually a natural kind of area that we were interested in mutually. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of what we were thinking about in the early days was this idea of 
as people start families and have kids, and we're seeing a lot of our own friends around us start doing that, mm-hmm. it is just incredibly difficult financially, especially in the Bay Area, <laughs> to, to raise a family. It's just so <laughs> expensive. I think and everywhere now, totally. Everywhere, exactly. And I think obviously COVID has created an even another complex layer on top of that. So as far as how we got to kind of where Cocoon is today, actually where we started was a little bit broader. So it was it was this idea of how do we help families with some of these key moments in their lives, especially moments that are super important financially. So figuring out how to afford childcare, how to figure out life insurance or wills or saving for mm-hmm. college. And with that initial hypothesis, a lot of the kind of early user interviews and discovery that we did, even before, you know, starting Cocoon at all, just early kind of user research mm-hmm. was talking to recent parents and doing a lot of discovery questions with them around what are these really big pain points that you as a recent parent have when it comes to raising your kids, especially financially. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that was super interesting from these interviews was that we heard from you know recent parents that you know, these things you're talking about, like saving for college, 529 accounts, wills, life insurance, childcare, all of that, certainly important and top of mind for us. But what's actually on fire going wrong for us right now is just we haven't been paid yet from our parental leave. And so a lot of what we were doing was kind of like double clicking on that and being like, Oh, pause for a moment. What What's mean? going on there? <laughs> um, didn't you know your company, whoever it may be, whether it's Square or Stripe or whoever, just pay you during your leave? And that's where we learned about this whole crazy world of kind of government and insurance that underlies leave, which is that when your company says they're paying you whatever it may be, twelve weeks of of pay at a hundred percent during your your leave or your parental leave. Mm-hmm. Really, what's going on there is that as an employee, you're actually getting the vast majority of your pay from state uh, mm-hmm. funding. So California or Washington or New York State or New Jersey or whatever state you may be in that you've already paid into, and also from insurance. And then in some cases, for those of us who are lucky, our employers will also pay on top of that. Mm-hmm. So what was happening was we were starting to hear all these crazy stories of literally friends of ours being wheeled into C-sections and bringing their laptop with them into the hospital room to apply for disability insurance. Wow. And it was just totally mind boggling. And as we kind of dug into that more, what we realized was that interestingly, this actually is like a massive financial problem. And funny enough, a money movement problem from our our stripes and square hats kind of turned on and we're like, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. How can we help there? Because what was happening was it was just really, really hard to get paid from these different insurance and state sources. And so that's kind of what we first discovered the problem. We quickly learned this was a massive problem for people across a ton of different walks of life. Actually, one of the first things we did was talk to a whole range of people on Craigslist that we found, people who we literally kind of like paid folks $30 to have a user interview with us and just chat about, hey, you're in construction, you're in, you're a you know dental assistant, you're an mm-hmm. executive assistant, you work at 7-Eleven, just the whole gamut of, of people across the country and very kind of same types of stories that we heard. And from there, we started talking to HR teams and we started just talking to 
you know, the people leaders at Stripe and Square, where we came from, and also other people leaders who we knew. And we heard from them that, you know, we certainly do not want this experience to be bad for our people, but it is really, really difficult for us to figure yeah. out how to support them through this for two reasons. One is that the regulatory landscape and compliance around this area is unbelievably complicated, you know, state by state. For anyone who's come from the fintech world, it's maybe akin to money transfer licenses <laughs> in, in that way. And then separately, because there are so many sources of pay during leave, figuring out how to execute on that is incredibly complicated, especially to get it right at a really, really vulnerable and important moment for someone in their life. So that's when we realize this is a massive problem for people and their HR teams. And we can probably create something that makes this as instant and simple as, you know, getting renter's insurance on Lemonade or Apple Pay or using Stripe to get paid. <laughs> and so that was kind of the vision and, you know, built an initial prototype on that, got some early traction in some of our first customers like Carta and Benchling and Notion and so forth and kind of went from there. That's awesome. So it sounds like a big learning just to kind of take out some nuggets there for, for folks. I think you know, and this has been one of the biggest surprises to me is like, everyone thinks you need to start up and you need this like massive idea, massive TAM and market. And yes, like that's the vision and mission to help people with these moments. But when you start, you need to hone in on one particular problem you need to sell this thing to someone and solve a problem. And to do that through technology or whatever it is, you need to be an expert in that. And I love that you really honed in and you kind of like got the hint right away. Oh, this is actually of all of those use cases, this is the thing. Okay, a subsection in that of this market that we understand. Um, so yeah, I think that's a really good takeaway for folks thinking about, you know, I think people, you, you need to solve a big problem if you want to build a VC-backed company and all that kind of stuff. But honing in on where you're going to start is, is so, so important. And like you said, where the thing on fire is not the nice to have, it's really the need to have. Totally. Couldn't agree more on the focus. Cool. So let's fast forward you know, you went through all those learnings, you found this team, you know, you found your design partners. Let's fast forward to starting to like, think about selling the thing and going to market. How did things change, again, from like, you know, pitching an idea to a product? And what are, you know, some of your biggest learnings about winning those first like real sold, you know, five or 10 customers? Yeah, I mean, the first 10 is definitely absolutely the hardest. And I think, Everyone says that because it's true. <laughs> and for us, it was really about being extremely targeted about our outbound as far mm. as who do we want our first 10 customers to be. And we had a hypothesis that high growth tech companies were going to be those early adopters. And part of the reason for that is because for high growth tech companies, their people are the most important asset. And leave is one of those hypersensitive moments in someone's life. There are very few moments like this where you can either fall more in love with your company because you feel so supported mm -hmm. or just, you know, fall completely out of love with your company and leave them entirely. Yeah. And leave is one of those key moments. So we had a hypothesis that tech companies going to be these early adopters. That proved to be true in a lot of different ways. Also, COVID kind of accelerated that because tech companies became very distributed. There's a whole regulatory landscape that we're solving. So that helps too. But mm -hmm. that was our initial hypothesis. And so what we wanted to do is find kind of early adopter people leaders who were at these high growth companies. And initially, I can tell you exactly how we built our outbound list, which is I literally found on LinkedIn <laughs> a list of people leaders who are part of this community called People Tech Partners, which is a very well-known people community 
here in kind of the Valley and more broadly among, among the tech community who are known mm-hmm. to be early adopters of new HR products. Amazing. And so I pretty much just searched for that on LinkedIn, built a target list. And essentially, Mahima and Eimer and I kind of went through and just thought about, okay, who do we know at every single company here on this shortlist that we could get a warm intro to one of these people leaders? And so that's how we found our first, you know, 10 or so customers, whether it was Notion, you know, like Christina Cordova over there, who Amber and I had worked with. And then whether it's Carta, for example, Benchling, uh, Meg over there at Benchling was an, introduced to one of our investors, Carta, similar introduction as well. Mm-hmm. And once we got those first 10 who believe in the vision, and by the way, our first, call it two, <laughs> Carta and Benchling bought Cocoon before we even you know wrote a single line of code, just on the idea of like, how do you validate first before you yeah. build, right? We literally only had a Figma prototype when we signed Carta and Benchling because they saw the just dramatic change in the vision that we had. Totally. So that was super key. And then once we got these first 10, then it, we started seeing this massive kind of word of mouth start happening where part of it was, you know, this market that we're really focused on, there's a massive, massive need for it. And it's very underserved where... You know, there are existing solutions, especially for companies that are a few thousand people or especially kind of like the Walmarts of the world. But Mm -hmm. once we had these first 10 customers and we started asking these new folks who inbounded to us, Mm -hmm. hey, how did you hear about Cocoon? They would say, oh, you know, we heard about you through Carta or through Benchling or through Notion. And that's where we started to get this massive amount of kind of traction. But that first 10 was really kind of the hard fought first evangelist that we got. Totally. And I think there's a really good lesson there. And I think this is a reason why I think a lot of people either don't start companies or get caught up and fail is they get obsessed over their initial product. And people are not, those first 10 customers, even I think a couple dozen, aren't really buying your product. They're buying a solution to a problem and they believe you're going to be the ones that are going to help them solve that. Right? Correct. And if you believe in the whole crossing the chasm, everything, they are innovators, they're technologists, they're early adopters, they're people that are excited about people bringing solutions, and they're passionate about the area that you're working on. And I think a lot of people obsess over the feature or the dashboard or the integration or the thing. And if you're at that stage of your journey, and that's the thing that's stopping you, like that's that's not the excuse. It's not the reason. It's not figuring out the usage-based pricing, whatever. It's make <laughs> everything else simple. And how do you find those people? Like you were saying, I think that's such a good thing to double down on is you found, and I mean, that's amazing that the list existed, the group of people that were those early adopters of the technology and, and had a vision for the future. And they wanted to be a part of your journey and you wanted to be a part of their career. So I think that's such an important takeaway in terms of figuring out who those early design partners are and customers. And then you said, if you pick the right ones, and I love how you said, like, we decided we were thoughtful about who our first 10 were. It's not, how do we get 10? It's how do we build our company in the long term based on those first 10? Because it's going to, that's going to shape the company that you're building. So yeah, I think that's a really important takeaway. Yeah, absolutely. And we still think about that now today, right? Because, you know, we today we have our current ideal customer profile, but we're thinking constantly about how, what's that next adjacency, right? And then mm-hmm. from there, same idea, what, who are the design partners in that next adjacency? Totally. Awesome. Well, to wrap things up with my my last but favorite question here, if you could go back to day one and give yourself one single piece of advice before we started Cocoon, what would that be? 
I would say number one piece of advice is amazing co-founders is just absolutely (laughs) and by extension team Mm -hmm. is absolutely the number one most important thing and i think personally i could not be on this journey without amber and mahima and uh, all of the just not only how phenomenal they are at what they do but also the emotional support that comes with having co-founders So I think that's probably my number one piece of advice to founders are thinking about going on this journey is find amazing co-founders. There's no reason to do this alone. And you're going to love it when you have the right people to to support each other and back each other up. Yeah, plus 100 to that. I think you hit the nail on the head about what was the most important part of there. It's like, it's not necessarily, you know, you need to find people that are talented. You're executing a lot at the early over, not hiring executives necessarily, but it's that emotional support. And, and we always joke about this internally. I'm like, I don't know how solo founders do it. Like, like this is, it's such a hard thing to do. You know, you know, you're at the beginning, it's pushing a boulder up a hill. Like you, the thing doesn't exist. You know, people don't work for you don't have all these things and you really need that emotional support because you're, you know, if you're doing things right, you're getting, you know, a million no's in the early days and, and yeah, having people that, you know, believe in each other is, is so key. So that's an awesome answer. Well, as we wrap things up, how, if someone wants to get in touch with you, either, you know, just to chat or learn more about Cocoon, what's the best way of, of getting in touch? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, quick plug, since um, we have, if folks want to get in touch, I'm just at Lauren at Mikacoon.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. But also, you know, next year is going to be a big year of growth for, for all of us as we look to impact more and more employers and help more and more folks who are taking leave. And so also wanted to throw out Mikacoon.com slash jobs as we're looking for some of the best people out there to join us. So I think just overall, really, really excited to be chatting with you, Ross, and for everything that you're building on the Accord side to help people start their companies, grow it, scale revenue. And that's kind of where we are. So excited to continue the journey together. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks for joining. Thanks for all the lessons. Hopefully people uh, can take away. And um, yeah, best of luck on, on the journey ahead. Thank you, Ross. You all too. We're big fans. You're listening to Accords from Vendorship to Partnership, where we dive into building startups, signing customers, and scaling collaborative, repeatable sales processes. For more episodes like this, make sure to subscribe. Thanks for listening.